Welcome to episode 173 of the No Ideas Original Podcast featuring Shannon and Mr. Rob. I'm Ken. Ken is not here tonight, um, but he wanted to be a part of this episode. Sadly, he got stuck at work. So with you, Rob, how you doing? Fresh back from um from from Morocco, man. Arrakesh. Yeah. How was man. that, bro? Talk about that for a quick second. Yo, it was a great it was a great experience. It's definitely not. I mean, I would say to me, I I would take Egypt over Morocco, yeah. um, any day just because of the historical context of Egypt. But it was good. It was something to, um something to see. It was a lot of time on the bus, though. Yeah. It was a lot of time on the bus. We went from Fez to we went from Fez to Marrakesh. I felt like we was on that bus for like eight to ten hours. Right. It was, was it, it was, populated out there? Um yeah, yeah, it's it it was, it was populated. It was a lot of people, and you know what made it even more populated? The fact that we were going to like the um what they call the Medinas. And in the Medinas, a lot of it was like really narrow alleyways and stuff like that where it's like shop owners homes and stuff like that and you got between that you got cats going down there you got people going down there you got donkeys going down so it's definitely yeah motorcycles and stuff like that definitely 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 an experience you know but um it was good to see man it was it was it was good to see it was it was good um then on, on our last day we went to um casablanca and we did um we went to this thing called a hammam it's like a they do like a scrub you know like a full scrub of you you know so we got that done or whatever but i was looking over there it's like dude, dude almost scrubbed the damn skin off my neck <laughs> like, Tell off. like yeah he ain't real let me take that off yeah okay he scrubbed, almost scrubbed the damn skin off my neck the skin off my face and everything yeah i mean looking crazy out here what up young how you doing peace young, young. what's going on barcy bj what's up Yo, so tonight we got, I think we got, for me, this is going to be a good discussion. This is a much needed um, yeah, you discussion. Like money, bro. <laughs> you said I like talking about money? Not a bad thing, but you love talking about money. Just processes of things. Like yeah, I think it's important. I think it's, you know why I like it? I think it's important. It's an important discussion because I feel like where we come from, you know, we don't have enough open dialogue as it relates to money. money. You, know, right. you know, most of the, most of the conversations we have as it relates to money is related to um you know it's rooted in consumerism spending money we don't talk about like the other things that's associated with it, like actually earning money saving money things like that so this is a dope conversation for me very interested um in it i'm happy to bring to the platform uh coach tasha you know financial literacy aka tasha lawson let's let's get on the screen to your ig so people can have that if they want to get in contact with you Matt, this You're welcome baby welcome to the no ideas original podcast how are you i am good thank you guys for having me how are you guys great 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 i wanted to ask you i think like this is a good you know the first initial question is good to kind of frame the discussion for the people that's gonna watch now and the people that'll watch later can you tell us just a little bit about i guess like what exactly your um your services are and also you know what is financial literacy and why is it so important yeah, so let me get into financial literacy before I get into the services. So financial literacy is the knowledge and understanding of financial concepts, tools, and the skills necessary for you to manage your personal finances. And financial literacy is a lifelong journey. It's not something that you learn and then you say that's it. Because as you think about the world and technology and the way things change, um, you always have to kind of stay in tune with the continued learners of financial literacy to kind of understand what's happening and what's changing 
um, my services, and let me just give you a little bit about the Map to Success. And I've actually started the Map to Success about a year and a half ago professionally. However, I have been helping family and friends for about the past 15 years. Mm. And the service I provide, I help people understand and handle their day-to-day -day money. I heard you talk about spending and, you know, with the consumerism and all the things like that. And that is a huge uh, reason why people come to me because they overspend. And people are just spending money and doing all of those things. And so they are now usually in debt or they don't understand where their money is going. So I help people get an understanding of where their money is going. And really, before we even get into the numbers, I want to understand the psychology behind their relationship mm -hmm. and how they spend it. Especially mm -hmm. being an African-American, for most of us, we did not grow up having financial literacy. Most of our parents didn't even have enough money to talk about savings and all of those things. So a lot of it is learned behavior. So trying to help people understand the root cause and break some of those generational curses so that way yeah. they can build that better relationship. Mm -hmm. um, I initially started with a one-on-one -on -one coaching where I would do like sessions with people and kind of go from the beginning and kind of do multiple sessions. I actually just scaled my program and built my own group coaching program. Nice. Um, so I actually, I just, it actually kicks off September 20th. So if anybody still want to join, they can. This group coaching program is going to be geared towards women age 25 to 55 who struggle with debt, who don't have a savings, and who constantly overspends. When you're having a program, it needs to be niched. So that way you have like-minded people in that program. And that way you can go ahead and coach everyone there. So that's uh, the program and it's called uh, Mapping Your Way Out of Debt. Okay. And, um, so that's that program. So yeah, and so I also do workshops and webinars. I'm actually getting ready to go to my son's high school. His high school is affiliated with the university. So I'm gonna be teaching like four classes of the seniors about financial literacy, um, I, you know, and do workshops and things like that. So my goal is to bridge that gap and to make sure that we, I am providing this financial literacy to people of color, especially, but especially women of color, because even if they are not single, they're heading up the household. They are the ones managing the money. They are the ones taking care of everything. You know, usually the husband or the significant other is giving it to the women. And if the women are don't have financial literacy and they don't understand the concept, they will take them and their whole family down with them. Mm. Right, right, right. Mm. But I like you said, one of the things I heard you say was psychology. How much of that is most of it? most of psychology and, and where, where do you find the tough areas dealing with people when it comes to how they think about it? um that is the that's the root because that's why with the financial coaching a lot of people think it's like a financial advisor and it is not when you go to a financial advisor you're already established you already got your budget and you're safe you're ready to invest they're not looking at taking a holistic approach to kind of get to the root cause of what's happening because at that point you should have solved that I am the person that you see before you go to a financial advisor or before you even start buying a home. Because even when some people go get their credit and stuff together for a home, what happens after they move in a home? They go into debt because they mm -hmm. don't understand. So the psychology piece is really, and that's why like when someone is entering my program, I do an intake. I want to understand their family makeup. What's, what is your issue? What's happening? And then talking to someone where they are in a safe space, they can start talking to you about their family makeup and 
kind of what their relationship is with money. You have some people that may be taking care of their mother or somebody or or giving to a family member because a family member may be taking a little bit of advantage and they need to cut that person off, but they haven't figured out a way to do that. Or you can have someone who they just saw, you know, whoever they grew up with in a home just spend money and really don't respect it and don't care for it. So now they're doing the same thing. So right. that is really the foundation before you can really dig into how do you help them, uh, you know, be financially successful. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the things that you just said that really stuck with me is I think like the the, um, the philosophical um, piece of it as it relates to money, because I feel like one of the challenges that we have in terms of educating people as it relates to money is that when people have gotten to a place where they're a little bit better with managing their money, rather than having a dialogue that seems, you know, seems in, in, in almost like an open complimentary type dialogue. It becomes almost like a punitive talk down dialogue on people where it's like, you spending your money on that? You doing right. this, you right. doing that? And I think that automatically you put people on a defense if you start talking to money, you know, talking with them about money like that. Because right. there are people that, you know, they work really hard for their money and right. they want to spend their money on things that, that they believe or feel that's going to make them happy. So if you right. approach people, you know, and you're like, well, you know, you need to own a home, you need to do this, you need to do that, and you need, you need, you need, then I think that automatically you sort of shut down, you know, and open in that conversation as it relates to um, just different changes people can make as it relates to money. I, I, I wonder about this, like, um, you know, I had this, used to have this conversation with my cousin Zane. He's originally from the Bronx also, but, you know, very early on, he moved out to New Jersey and then, you know, his family moved on and, you know, his family, they were financially in a better place than most people. And he went to um, he went to high school in the suburbs and he was saying one time on his podcast, he was saying that in his school that there were conversations as it relates to finances, like in investment and savings and stuff like that. And I think about, you know, when I was in, middle school and in high school and stuff like that in the inner city no. there weren't many conversations as it related no. to finances you know right. they didn't have those conversations so what you know what are your thoughts about that like do do we need to find a way to kind of have these conversations reinstated into middle school and high schools in the inner city and curriculum. yes um that's I, I, i'm going to my son's school to go talk to these seniors these kids when they're in high school they're getting jobs and I actually, on my Instagram, I have put a post up and I told parents, you need to be uh, part of business. You need to know. So that way, when they're working this summer, they're not buying a bunch of Jordans and wheat and all of that. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that there's anything against it because I'm going to get my hair done and I like those things. And I have a teenage son. What I'm saying is that as a parent, would you let your child pay your bills and manage your money? No, you will not. You know why? Because they don't have the financial literacy and they don't understand it. So it is your job to teach them. I think a lot of times we think, well, it's their money. They can do whatever they want. No, they cannot. You right. need to be guiding them and you need to be setting them up for success. So that way they don't take those habits and get out in the real world and spend everything. And now you can't get them out your house because they can't keep a place to live. So. Right. It is very much needed, and especially in the inner city when you're dealing with minority students, because nine times out of 10, their parents, not all, but you know, it's probably not talked about in the home and not even just amongst minorities. I just think financial conversations are pretty much one of those taboo subjects. Nobody wants to, like you were saying, like it's kind of like, uh, you're in a shameful place and it's making you feel ashamed. And I, and I posted on my Instagram page, I just bought a BMW, okay? And, but I'm story behind it. 
-hmm. there was a story that talked about my journey and how I had, you know, paid off $15,000 worth of credit card debt, how mm -hmm. I started building up savings, how I'm investing, how I did all of those things. And if you are financially stable and you are taking care of what you need to do, yes, you should reward yourself. And I was at the BMW dealer with the red ribbon and everything, but I wanted people to see me as a real person. I am not just talking about budget and save and I'm not living life. I am living life. Right. And I'm comfortable that I have reached my goals and yes, I do want to reward myself with a BMW and that's okay because I'm not breaking the bank doing it or now I'm not sacrificing something. I'm in a comfortable space and I want to enjoy the fruits of my labor while I'm here. Mm. Right. So, let, me, let me ask you, and that's a good point, man, what you're saying. And I like also what you said on your on your IG about transparency. How important is transparency? Because you just talked about parents speaking to their kids and I would think they would be transparent. Yes. When it comes to financial literacy, talk a little bit about the importance of transparency. Transparency is everything. That's how you gain people's trust. That's how you get people to open up and to share. If you are not being transparent, like if I acted like I was this perfect person and where I am now, this is where I've been all my life, people will not feel comfortable and they won't resonate with me because they are probably going to look at me like I'm judging them. I talk from a place of this is where I went wrong, here's what I did, I'm still on the journey, it's okay, I got you, we can get through this. And just being open and honest because now you seem like a regular, real person that has lived life, that has made some mistakes, but you're looking at how do you fix that? And mm -hmm. so, and I'm always, I'm so vulnerable and transparent because I'm passionate about helping people get, kind of cross that bridge and get there. So. I'm like, whatever, even on my website, I, I was a teenage mom. I was pregnant at 15, living in the projects, going out the door where they selling drugs and they shooting and the graffiti on the wall. I mean, it was bad. So yeah. that is where I came from. But to be open and be transparent and share that story and say, now I have a master's degree and I make well over six figures and I'm financially stable and I can get them BMW and all of that. People resonate and they're like, wow, you started from 15 being pregnant, wow. mm -hmm. no little to no education, and this is where you are now. If I can do it, you you know, they feel like if she can do it, I can do it. And so, yeah. No, that's yeah. real tragedy and triumph, man, when you can, you can go through life and challenge yourself and make, make strides, and then you can manifest what it is that you really want to do once you know how to do it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Talking, in, in terms of talking about like the relationship with, um, with money, you know, and, and I'm just thinking like from a philosophical standpoint around it, like there's some people that believe that money is made to be spent. And there's some people that believe that money is made to be saved. And I, I see value in both, you know, like there's this part around you save for a rainy day, you know, but then the other part is, you know, you enjoy, like you said, the fruits of your labor while you're here. And I think it becomes hard to kind of have a balance of it. You know, there are some people that I was having a conversation with a, um, with a gentleman a few weeks ago you know, in terms of like life insurance and stuff like that. And he was like, why am I buying life insurance for somebody else to reap the benefits of me passing away? And I'm like, that's that that's bug to me that he would ever even say that. But, but and you know, like from a non-judgmental standpoint, I'm guessing his position is like, yeah, I'd rather have my money in my pocket. I'd rather, you know, whatever money I'm making now, I'd rather live my mm -hmm. life to the fullest with it or whatever. So I didn't go into like a huge back and forth with him. 
as it right. relates to any of the stuff, but it just gave me more insight and more perspective in terms of what people's thought process around it. Like for some people, it's like, you know, it's a tool for me to use to enjoy myself. And for other people, it's like, this is a safety net or, you know, a, a blanket in the event that something comes up. So how do you get, how do you get people to a point where they're able to marry the two and understand that both can coexist? So when I'm meeting with somebody, that's why I'm asking them questions and I want to know. Because when I coach you, I am coaching you according to your values and your goals, not someone else's, not the way I live. What is important to you? What is your why? Why do you want to be financially successful? If your why is to be financially successful because you want to get life insurance and everything and save stuff for your family, we'll be working towards that goal. If yours is, well, I want to be able to buy more things while I'm here we're working towards that goal so there really is no right or wrong it just really depends on what people's goals are and if you're living according to your goals and values you're going to feel good about the way that you're handling your money but if your goal is to own a home and you spending money and it ain't going towards that you're not going to feel good about it because mm -hmm. you're going to my goal is to own a home but I, I'm, I'm not doing anything to work towards that goal so that's why initially i want to understand the person what their goals and values are so we can tailor something specifically to them and i am there as a coach and a guide i am not there to judge you i am not there to tell you how to spend your money what i am trying to do is educate you get right. them to see as well um like i had a couple who came to me and the husband he wasn't here he's from new york and he was thinking like no who she thinks she is she trying to make us spend money and you know and and, and i was i was good with it. But I did a, a consultation call, and after the call, he was like, okay, well, you know, he felt like, you know, he could resonate, he trust me, and you know. Like, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> talking about, but what happened with them is they didn't understand why they could not save money and why they were in so much debt. They had just sold the house, made money from that, and it was right back to ground zero. And this gives me, this is, brings up what I just mentioned about people getting a home, fixing their credit, but then if they don't have the education, they're going to go right back to where they were. And the problem was they were spending so much, but they didn't know where. We did a spending audit. And that is where you take the last three months of your credit card or your bank statements, highlight your variable expenses. Variable expenses are expenses that is not your fixed income, like mm -hmm. your your groceries, you're going to the store, you're spending on things that you don't do monthly, like your fixed bills. And when we did that, they realized they were spending $800 to $1,000 a month in takeout. That is where the money was going. But because when you constantly swipe the card, $10, $20, you're doing that over a 30-month period, it doesn't feel like it until you start coming up short in other places or you're feeling the strain in other places. And mm -hmm. so we diagnosed where the problem was. And so we talked about, okay, you want to eat out? That's fine. That's not a bad thing because I'm not here to cut out what you like but let's talk about doing it within reason what is your goal how much are you going to eat out a month and then you can go ahead and repurpose some of that money towards paying off that debt mm -hmm. and that's what we have to do but the whole point is too a lot of times with the financial coaching it's about clarity people have no idea what is going in and what is coming out until they sit down and they're like oh my i didn't know i had all this money on this and you and usually if I'm, if I'm thinking this correctly, budget and lifestyle is always clashing. You said it's always what? Always clashing. Budget and lifestyle. Right? It can, but you got to have a plan. Like I, like, I have a budget, but I'm also with the reason. I'm not having a budget to just pay bills and not have any spending money or the gold <laughs> store. So I, I like to get my hair done. I want to get my... Like, 
your budget can include that. And that is one of the things I coach to. I do not coach not for nothing like the Dave Ramsey restrictive eating noodles. Right. That's not, no. Because if you told me that I had to budget like that, I'm not doing it. That That is not anything that is gonna make people feel encouraged and feel like, yeah, I wanna do it. The first thing they're gonna say is no. And that's why I always get to the root of what are your goals, what are your values? If your values are, I like to travel and I go on a trip every year for my birthday, that's in your budget. You know why? Because it's important to you. Let's talk about how we work that in the budget so that way when you do travel, you're not taking out this credit card going in debt. We're planning for it. So let me ask you, what what are what are some of your strategies or strategies to track and manage one's income and expenses? You got to get write it down somewhere or get an Excel spread. You can't do it in your head. You cannot because some people think, well, I only pay ten dollars a month to Amazon, Apple, you know, any subscriptions. No. I've got it. You need to. So what you need to do? I do the month, um, the month ahead budgeting. So that means like kind of taking like no one. Okay, October is coming up. What are my expenses for the month? And then break it down according to pay. So if someone gets paid semi-monthly, then you want to look at you know if you get paid at the first of the month from the first to the. 14th before you get that next check on the 15th what bills and everything what's happening during that time and right. you want to make sure you're aligning your budget with what's happening with that time and if you have a bill that is due before like be at, like before the 15th you're not going to pay it with the 15th check it needs to be going on during that first to the 14th check mm -hmm. and so really kind of writing that down and knowing and because what happens is some people think oh my gosh it takes a lot of time it is not. You're going to get it down initially, but it becomes repetitive. It's habit forming. It's muscle memory. Now, if, if you start doing it, and it's very much like it becomes like second nature. So for me, I had a, an initial budget sheet, but I use a check register. We don't write checks anymore, but I go to the bank. I get a check register. And I do the same thing. <laughs> I write down my bills and my expenses and what everything is, and so therefore, I'm done. The other key is you need two checking accounts. I'm gonna tell you why. Your so first checking account? Yes. The first checking account should be for your regular monthly bills. That's your fixed income. Your fixed in income is your, your mortgage, your rent, your car. The bills that are gonna be every month, they're really not gonna change in the amount of your utilities. Right. The second checking account is for your spending money. Your target runs, your gas, your groceries, your stuff like that. And you know why? You get paid on a Friday, right? So you got your bills, you got your spending money all in one account. You went for the weekend and you started swiping your card. It doesn't all reconcile to about Monday or Tuesday and now you got bills coming out. Guess what? You probably in overdraft because it's too much to manage. Like you got so much going on. Right. If you have a separate account for your spending and you are also saying, I got $800, $300 for groceries, $400, you're 300 for groceries, 500 for my gas and my spending. You know what's in there. You got a card for that. And whether, whatever you spend on, you know not to go over this $800. So you know that's separate. You don't have to worry about, I went and swiped here and this bill was coming out here and I, and I can't manage it. So mm -hmm. I live by that rule and I put my bills in one. So when I pay it online, because most of us usually do online, it's coming yep. out of that account. And my spending is the other. And that's the only debit card that I keep on me is the spending account. I don't need it for the bill because I'm not spending anything out of it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So Young said, I'm good at staying within my budget. It's the random incidents that ruin the budget sometimes. Also having to realign the budget over and over again. What would you say to him in regards to that? You got to pre-plan for the random in in incidents. Like for instance, when I do my budget, I also have a certain amount for spending money. So, okay, I have like my hair, maybe I'm doing in my nails, right? But then I also have spending money. Within my spending money, let's just say if it's $300 for two weeks, my random incidents need to come out of there. And I know that I got this amount and I don't need to go over it. The other thing is what I do is I, we, I have an iPhone. Most people have some type of phone now. On your phone, there is a notepad, right? So when it comes to spending money, I write on my notepad like gas, groceries, spending. Yeah. When I'm spending, everybody got their phone in their hand. Go in there and start taking it out. You my, know, my, okay. Right. I do that. My budget for gas is $120, but I spent 60. All right, I only got 60 left. My incidentals, right? Because that's like you're spending money. I have $300, but I know I just mm -hmm. went to the store and spent 75. I got 225 left. So therefore, you're not walking around with a piece of paper. You got the phone, you use it. Mm -hmm. Try right, phone is a tool, have, so you use it. Because then you don't run into the incident. You got a, a budget, your money needs a plan and a system for it. If you don't have it, it, will, it won't be functional and it'll be like kind of what he is uh, mentioning about the random incidents. You got a plan for that. So that way you know you need to stay within that budget. So even if you have uh, a budget, you know, you get paid bi-monthly and you got $300 for spending, right? Well, nobody said when you got to spend it and how, you know, it's up to you. So if you spend it all in one day, you don't spend no more till you get paid. You use it all. Yeah. And that's, you have to know that and you can spend it however you want. Done is done. Yeah. Um, is, is credit important? And if so, why? And I ask that because I know there are a lot of people who still pretty much like I prefer to operate in cash and I don't want to, I don't want to have anything to do with credit. Credit is very important. You don't exist without credit. You can't get a credit is king in our country. And if you don't have credit or you, it's almost like you don't exist. Like you got to think about it for most people that have certain goals and things that they want to do. Usually it may be like buying a home or um, things of that nature, a car or something like that, where you're going to need credit. Credit mm -hmm. is very important. But I, and I don't, I'm not against using credit cards, but you need to use them responsibly um, because you need to have a mix of credit. You need to have like make credit cards, car loans, personal lines. That is going to make your credit good. So mm -hmm. people who kind of uh, frown upon that, if you don't have credit, you can't get anything. So now you suck. Like our country doesn't run on cash. If you even think about it, even after COVID, a lot of things now is like cashless and you just pick the Apple Watch or the yeah. card, you're not anything with cash. And, and that's what I mean about financial literacy being our lifelong journey. We need to say what, what's happening, what's evolving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. is taking money and throwing it under the mattress like back in the day. You may have a few, <laughs> but you need to get There's a couple happening. of school boxes out here. There's a couple of shoe boxes. <laughs> and and we, you, you can do some of that, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> If you don't evolve with what's changing, you're going to be left behind. Yeah, when it comes to credit, it is important. You do need to have it because there are going to be other things you want to acquire business. What if you want to go ahead and, and get some passive income and you got a business and now you want to go ahead and buy a property or you got a trucking business or whatever? Mm -hmm. Like, no, that, that credit shows like your, your character and your trustworthiness. So it is important. I use my credit cards, but what I do is designate one 
for like my major things. And also, mm -hmm. I always tell people, if you're gonna use your credit card, make sure whatever you're using, you could pay it back in at least two statements. Do not just pay the minimum payment because mm -hmm. you're gonna be paying for that amount about that three times with the interest. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. use, use responsibly. Do not take your credit card and just go on a shopping spree because it may feel good in that moment, but now you that shopping spree that you spent $1,000, by the time the interest that you pay it off is about 1300 now, like, so does that make sense? And that's why in your budget, when you want to do a large purchase or treat yourself to something, you plan for it. And then you call it, it's called sinking funds. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that. You're Explain sinking, that. huh? Explain that. So your sinking funds, are your expense accounts, right? They, those are things that don't happen as frequent as your monthly bills, but they are going to happen. Sinking mm -hmm. funds, you need to buy clothes, right? You, you need to wear them. You're not going to probably buy them every month, but at some point you're going to get them. Mm -hmm. um, vacation, if you travel, birthdays, um, car repair, not major car repair. I'm talking about your oil changes, your brakes. So now you have these expenses it's not if, it's when, they're happening. So this will prevent you from going to take that credit card or going to take pull money from some bill because you've planned for it. So what you do is you get a savings account and you can either have a couple of savings because there's a um, bank, Alley Bank does free savings account. You can have however many you want. So mm -hmm. you can have multiple. But what you do is within your budget, you put $25 a month for the clothes, $25 a month for yeah your uh, car repair, whatever amount you want to put, you can give it right. a goal. Right. And the reason thinking because you keep rebuilding it. So now, ooh, car repair, I need breaks. I got $300 for that. I don't got to open up the credit card or call nobody to borrow money. Mm -hmm. Take a thinking fund. And then you oh. just rebuild it. So what you're explaining, are you explaining something that would say if I wanted to build an emergency fund? Would I, mm -hmm. follow, I would follow that blueprint that you just Nope, I do it separate for emergency funds. You're sinking fund, you're constantly, you're gonna go in there a couple of times a year or whatever, depending on when you wanna spend. Your emergency fund, you shouldn't touch that at all. Your emergency funds should be geared towards a true emergency. emergency. Josh, an expensive medical unexpected bill or a major home repair or a major car, major. That means these, your emergency fund <laughs> is for something that is least likely to happen but it does you are prepared and right. the reason why i coach that way is because people will build an emergency fund and now i need some money and they start taking out money that is not what it is for it mm -hmm. is build and you should put it in a high yield savings and that is where you gain more interest on that. let it sit give it a goal let's just say if your emergency savings goal was ten thousand, right and mm -hmm. you reach okay cool that additional money go invest it Go invest it now. Go, you know, you got, you got your goal. But the whole point is the emergency is least likely to happen with a sinking funds. It is a recurring expense. It's gonna happen. You're just right. planning. Right. Yeah. You need clothes. Not every day you buying a roof. With right. um, with interest rates being up across the board, because interest rates are um, mm -hmm. really high now. What do you think is a reasonable interest rate for a credit card? I would say on average, most credit cards. And I have like super credit. On average, you're gonna pay 19, 20 something percent, even when interest rates were good. That's just mm -hmm. 
that's just credit cards for you. That and then most part, they're gonna. I feel like those are higher than what you would look at for your auto loan or your home loan. Mm -hmm. What I will, say, if you are newer to credit or you don't have really good credit, you're gonna probably get one at twenty six percent. So, but that's okay because it's your starter card. Mm -hmm. What you're doing is you use that, you build it up, you get established. And then when you get built up, you could go ahead and get into a lower one. So I'm not against the higher rate if you need to get established or rebuild your credit because that's kind of what comes with that. But it's not a permanent forever thing. It is just really to kind of get you get you going. Get you. Yeah. Um, so um, Watts Arrangement, Deontay said, I've talked to many people that have filed for bankruptcy to get rid of credit card debt. Is bankruptcy something that could be a good thing or is that a bad thing? Bankruptcy needs to be your final last resort. You done went and talked to professional. Like it needs to be the last of the last of the last. And people, what I will say, a lot of people use bankruptcy to say, I don't want to pay this. And you know, I, I'm just, in bankruptcy costs, it is not free. You're paying a bankruptcy lawyer and you're paying monthly. So I think a lot of people got it in their mind that this is free, it is not. The other thing is with bankruptcy, what are you learning? Because now, how do you know you're not right. going to repeat the same thing over right, right, right. from that? And that's why with working with a coach and having a debt payoff goal and you working on paying down your debt, you're more fulfilled. You feel like you worked hard. You understand the strategy. You know what to do. So therefore, you're not putting yourself back in that same situation. I won't say it's good or bad. It depends. But I, I think people think of that as, oh, I don't want to be bothered. I'm going to just file bankruptcy. And that is not what it's for. And it costs fees and it costs money. It's not free. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot. And it looks bad. It hinders you for the next seven years on your credit. So you mm -hmm. got to think about like, goodness, you know, do you not want to do anything else? Like, do you want this on your credit? And jobs do credit checks too. So yeah. sometimes, especially if you're in a finance field or you're working for the government and they see bankruptcy, they gonna probably think you want a money launder and all that, you're not getting a job. <laughs> you know, I'm just, that's how it is. So but, you know, places to live, it, it's all of those things that I don't think people consider. And that's why it's mm -hmm. good to talk to like a financial coach, like myself or somebody where you're getting some expert guidance before you just go do it. A bankruptcy lawyer is probably gonna be like, yeah, come on, you know why? Cause they want to get paid. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard of people doing foolishness like filing bankruptcy for two or three thousand dollars like i tell me that yeah. just makes no sense like why would you why would you do something like that? Lazy. <laughs> lazy. It, that they don't want to deal with it it's like oh, i just don't want to be bothered and then right. when you mm. think about the repercussions or really a long-term effect because think about it in life they say like every seven years we like change we grow we mature so seven right. years ago, i'm writing on two thousand dollars now seven years later i got a good job i want to get a house and i can't People mm -hmm. don't think about, they don't think things through and think about anything beyond oh, yeah. it. Now they're just thinking about in the moment, I don't want to be bothered, I can do this, but it's like $2,000, like, mm -hmm. no. Yeah. But some people want instant gratification, especially in a world that we live in where everything is so quick, nobody wants to go through the process, but guess what? The best lesson is you working hard and going through the process because you feel more value and fulfilled and that is when you're going to have the better relationship with your money because you know what it took, what to, it took get to get to that place. Facts. facts definitely let's talk a little bit about um like debt reduction strategy like in terms of yes. if a person came to you and they, they had um, yeah in my head man. had had um you know yeah. had, had had debt you know like where, where do you go with that do you pay off your high interest cards first do you pay off the, the lower balance cards like what does the debt reduction strategy look like 
It depends, because the debt snowball is paying off the lowest balance first, and then debt, the avalanche method is paying off the highest interest. It really depends on the person. For the most part, I like to coach my clients to the debt snowball where you're paying off the amount, because psychologically, you feel a win. When you got this, but say if you got like five credit cards, and the highest one is 10,000, but the lowest one is 1,000. Me, psychologically, the person paying off the $1,000 is gonna feel empowered. They can get that off sooner. It's gonna make them feel like they're making some headway. And then they can take that money plus the minimum payment and put it on the next one. And I want to psychologically get people kind of engaged and feel like they're doing something. Where with the debt avalanche, if it's just a higher interest, it may take you a long while. And now you probably feel like, oh my gosh, I've been paying this. I, it just don't feel like I'm gonna pay it off. But the person who paid off the $1,000, like, whoop, I got that paid off. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm gonna be working on the next thing. And you feel like a sense of <laughs> getting things done. Yeah, no, I agree. It is there is something. There's a good feeling about having one less bill come to your mailbox. Yes, Lord. <laughs> one less bill, and then other debt restructuring, debt reduction strategies. I don't know if people know. You can call your credit card company and negotiate rates. Mm -hmm. Now that is not always going to be guaranteed, but you can negotiate your credit card rates, and they may say, okay, we don't want you spending any money. We want you to pay this. But that's another thing. Another thing for debt reduction is a personal loan with your credit union. Like I've done that before where I'm years ago when I had a lot of the credit cards and I'm making payments and it's just not seeming like it's going anywhere. Well, I went to my credit union. They had a low interest rate. Credit unions are more friendly. They're not like the banks where you gotta have this excellent credit. They're more willing to help you. And the credit union went and gave me a check and I paid off all of those cards. But there's a caveat to that. You need to know that you should not be going back and just reusing those cards. You need to kind of dedicate, these are pay down. What am I gonna use for my main card? What am I gonna use for that? And probably yeah. still financial coach or someone to understand so you can get some coaching and everything so you don't get back in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, I think I definitely think a lot of it, um, sadly, like growing up in the hood, a lot of people's relationship of learning money kind of comes by way of trial and error. Mm -hmm. um, yeah i mean I've, I've had experiences too like you know been young and got money and yeah. you, know, you mess your money up or whatever Listen, um you thinking like yeah, yeah i got this money because think about it what do we have in the hood you don't have anything right so when you mm -hmm. get in a thousand dollars and you 18 what i used to think i could like if i swipe the car as long as they don't take it out of my paycheck i don't care yeah, i ain't got <laughs> that's how it was i was like doing stuff like that or whatever and I didn't feel that and I and I'll tell you what my mm. I, I moment my my turn my turning point for me I was um working and my car had got totaled and I needed to get another car I didn't have money like that to be paying no high car note mm. um my credit wasn't that good so no bank wants to lend to me but I got a job and I got three kids and I need to get to work yeah one of friends was like go to the credit union you know and that she was like they should probably maybe ever help you i only had 25 dollars to my name i went to the credit union with my only 25 dollars because back then you needed 25 dollars to open up the open account. account yeah open up the account and so i'm like i gotta get a car but i can't get no expensive car my credit ain't that great so this is my only option right. so i did the application for the car and instantly they was like no they told me no because they was like, your credit ain't good. And furthermore, you got these credit cards going here. You ain't pay those. And I knew that I didn't. But with that, I, I, let me tell you something. I was praying 
and I cried and I pleaded like just please give me a chance like if you do something like that for me I know that I'll try to figure something out mm -hmm. and um, went to the back and they talking to their people and everything it must have been nothing but the good Lord that told them because they came back and said you know what we'll give you a car loan but it's only gonna be for six or seven thousand I was good with that and they said that credit card we gonna give you a loan to pay that too and uh -huh. that earn a point for me and ever since then I've been on my financial journey and I always remember that they gave me a chance and that's when I started paying off my debt and becoming more um, responsible with that because somebody believed in me and trusted me and gave me a chance. Look at that. that. must have been your, your transparency, honest moment with God yeah. said, you know what, I'm yeah. going to help the baby out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate that though we gotta have those experiences where you mess up a couple of dollars to actually appreciate it. Like I remember being it's probably like what's that maybe like 20, 21 and got little, little little fender bender with one of my friends and both of us got a couple of dollars and I remember taking my money in my mom. I bought my mom a fridge and I bought a sofa for my um apartment at the time and the rest of my money I was like, I'm cool, I'm gonna sit on it. Um, but then I remember going to pick up my friend for work and he had on a new coat, new chains, you know, <laughs> and all this stuff with him. Like, yeah, Damn, bro. <laughs> you felt like you was left out, huh? No, yeah. I was good with it. But I was good with it because, you know, I had I had enough financial experiences. Like I've okay. I've had large amounts of money in my hand before and see how fast it could go. You know, oh, with stuff like we're like constantly eating out or, you know, yeah. just making impulsive purchases and stuff like that. So I had already been through that phase when I was younger. So I was like, I'm not making that mistake again, you know? And he sadly, he had to go through that phase to actually understand and have a better relationship with money. Um, Yella says, what, do you, what about those debt consolidation companies? What are your thoughts on that? I feel like it's the same like the bankruptcy because people go there and a lot of times you paying all of these fees. It's, it's like they can help you negotiate some stuff, but like 50% of your payment is going to the overhead, the admin, the fees and all mm. of those. And again, when you're going to do that, what are you learning so you don't get back in debt? How you like it, it's all the the the, found, the main thing is the mindset. You can go get all but what are you learning so all that right. not get back in debt if it's a quick fix right and you could just file this and somebody could do it where's the lesson in that and all I'm not right. negative or anything and I'm and I think a lot of times people want the quick fix They're like, oh my god this is gonna take forever mm -hmm. it's a journey and that's why I tell people it is not overnight it is a marathon it is not a race and that's it's right. okay and, yeah. and that's and some people want that instant gratification, which is why they go in the cycle, they get it paid off, and next thing you know, they back in debt because the mindset hasn't changed and they are not taught that. The debt consolidation, they gonna teach you that because they want the money anyway and they hope you mess it back up because guess so what, you got to use the services. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like the fact that you um you refer to it as a as um a journey because I think like over a period of time like our awareness as it relates to financial literacy evolves and we get better with if you're open to it you know it gets right. better so I, I think about like you know like financial um risks or financial mistakes I made and out when I was younger like you know like taking out car loans because I wanted a new car but didn't necessarily need a new car and the interest rate is higher. <laughs> then with, I think back at like car loans that I have, I'm like, I paid that as an interest rate, but then, yeah. but then in the context of a journey, like I remember working with this dude and, um, you know, like I had bought a new car, a new luxury vehicle. I bought a new car and I was like, yo, my interest rate was 1%. And he was like, you pay interest on a car. I was like, yo, I gotta, 
that's what I aspire to be. <laughs> Whatever, you know, I felt good. I'm like, I pay my interest rate is one percent. He was like, wait a minute, you pay interest rate on a car? So for me, I'm like, all right, so there is a journey, there is more to achieve, there's more work to be done with this yeah. to get to a place where you know what, I'm not paying any interest on a vehicle or you know, but I, I think that also again, like a lot of that stuff sadly comes with trial and error you know yeah. like us having these experiences and with money or whatever so I'm, I'm again like you know like the level of openness i think we have to have sadly i would say like as people of color to actually be able to get this information and say like i'm gonna apply this stuff to ensure that i'm better with my finances and then i think another thing that we you know that we struggle with is also like um impulsivity as it relates to money yes you know and some people don't want nobody telling them nothing. You know what? They start talking. I, I know I already, and they don't let you, they listen to respond and don't listen to comprehend. And that is the problem. I don't care who you are, how much education you have or whatever, you can learn something from everybody. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's okay to be a student and be quiet and listen and digest it and take it in and not feel like somebody is trying to be funny or somebody trying to put you down or call you out. No, sometimes mm -hmm. some people are trying to help or share right. experience, but when you think you know everything, you're gonna miss out on a lot of good information and opportunities. And then sometimes people need to just come to the realization of, I can't do this on my own. I don't even know what to begin. I need yeah. to reach out for professional help because mm -hmm. that is okay. And I think people feel a sense of shame or embarrassment. And I can't tell this, but guess what? The financial coach that you're telling, they didn't they probably would been down the road or coach somebody that went they not mm -hmm. it's that's like going to the therapist and you telling them your story you think it's so bad and the therapist is like I, I, yeah i know and, mm -hmm. they, and you're like wait this doesn't sound bad they like no because yeah. it's normal to them right they they know they've been through it probably themselves or they you know uh had uh treated other people who had the same thing so i think we got to get out of our own head and stop worrying about right. being embarrassed or comparing ourselves to other because that steals your joy. Worrying about, well, Dad, Bob, he got this and that. You don't know what he did to get that. Facts. You don't even know what what's going on or how mm -hmm. hard he had to work or if he had to go stick somebody up to go get it. Is that what you want to do? Like we don't know, and everybody mm -hmm. wants what other people have but nobody wants to do any work. It's instant gratification. Yeah. Have that's you the psychology part I was talking about, because that's usually what it is. It's a mental block. Yeah. Mm -hmm. wanting, wanting what everyone has, wanting the things that I see, but do I have the discipline to lock down and get it? Right. Take right. my time. That's why I took up gardening, because plants don't grow up overnight. No. Like, not you plant that seed and let it let yeah. it go. Yeah. Water it, that, you gotta so seed it, yeah. you gotta prune it. You may have to change the dirt. Yeah, a lot that goes into it just to get a freaking pepper. Yes, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So, but it teaches you. So, look at the psychology behind that. Right, it's yeah. just the waiting and doing all of the things and knowing in the end this is what you're gonna get. It was all well worth it. Right. Mm. Yeah. Have you saw um the show on Netflix? I think it's called um My Rich Life or Your Rich Life or something. And it's basically a gentleman that he's going around. He's talking to people. He's doing like financial coaching. Um with these folks and what he's talking to people about is like basically them defining what their rich life is so one of the things he was saying as a financial advisor financial guru is he was like he doesn't own a home mm -hmm. and i was like hey you're a financial person you don't own a home mm -hmm. but 
what his his I guess what his whole shtick is is what does it mean to be rich to you? So he had right. for him it was like for me to be rich means that I have the ability to travel when I want to travel. Yeah. You know, for me to be rich it means that I have the ability to say every year I could live somewhere else because I'm not locked into a 30 year or whatever year mortgage yeah. or whatever it is. And they have people doing like financial disclosures and stuff like that. And they had like a um a, a couple on there that wanted to buy a home. And some of the stuff that they came up in their financial disclosures, it was like very, very eye opening because it was it was a couple and both of them were they were like moderately successful um, people and they lived in like a smaller town. And I think that um, in savings, they may have had like between the both of them, twelve hundred dollars. These are two professionals like mm-hmm. one of them, I think both I think I think both of them had a degree like twelve hundred dollars yeah. in savings or something like that. So the guy was saying to them like, why, you know, what is the lore as to why you want to have or own a home now? And I think they had just become grandparents. So they was like, you know, we want to have a home for our grandchildren or whatever it was. And then they try track like their spending habits and their spending habits was like that the the husband was going out buying like additional pairs of sneakers and jeans and stuff that he didn't need and it was just very very interesting to see like him really work with them on the psychological aspect and help to reshape and refine around like how there's cognitive dissonance around if you're saying that this is your goal and you want to own this look at the behaviors that you have like does this necessarily support (laughs) and your values and and i'm glad you brought up about the savings between the two of them um, there's some data, probably more than 50% of Americans don't even have $1,000 in their savings. Yeah. And, and and the number may be higher than that, but they don't even have $1,000 in their savings. That's because all of what you got to think with our country is, is spending. You think, you you online, you've seen the commercials, you on social media, you just looking and the ad come up and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. So, and it's really, and, and, and in my group coaching program, I have a module on overspending. We are really kind of talking about those triggers and how do we combat that and what we do when because those overspending triggers are there. And that's where a lot of people wanted that. Most of the people I see are overwhelmed with debt because they are overspending and they don't have a savings. That that's pretty much everybody's situation. Mm. Wow. Yeah, Rob, you was gonna say something? Yeah, Todd, how, how was your how was your webinar on, on, on the six and what does it look like and how often do you do webinars? So that webinar was to talk about the group coaching program and, and that I did like um, some financial literacy. So typically, usually like once a year, I'll do a free webinar. Um, other than that, I'm usually doing it for a group or an organization and it doesn't have to be corporate. It could be somebody may want their kid, you know, a couple of kids at the Boys and Girls Club to have it or it may be the library or whatever. And so with those, you know, that's like more of a paid service. And then I'm kind of tailoring that work webinar or workshop to whatever the specifics that they want that group, the group's outcome to be. Right now, this is the group coaching, the online coaching where our BitFlat program is on the learning management system. So you get your username, your ID, we got the modules, our webinar talking to you, and then we're going into live coaching and all of that. So I'm like so excited because I didn't think that I could do it and it took me a little while but it was like wow I built my own group right. coaching program say it, like, say it again say it one more time I built my <laughs> own my own so and that's what I'm doing now and you know right now it's running it'll run from September to December it, the um it is geared right now it's the women ages 25 to 55 that you know overwhelmed with that uh really need to kind of learn about the overspending triggers triggers and lack savings 
And then I'll probably redo it again January, February and kind of figure out who am I seeing there. It is your intimate space. So when you think of group coaching, it isn't some big, large webinar. You just got a couple of people in there because I want people to get the personalized coaching. And the benefits to group coaching is that you have that support. You're not alone. And it is a lot cheaper because you're sharing a cost with other people where my one-on-one coaching was 275 a session. So if you do that times seven, you spend it almost $2,000. But people got to look at the value. You're getting lifelong tools. You're getting all of that. And so that's the investment that you're putting in because when you walk away, you're going to walk away with the value of my life is going to be changed. By next year, I'm not going to be in the same situation with this six, $7,000 in debt. Where with the group coach, $143 a session. So you're talking almost 50% off. And so when you multiply that times the seven sessions, that's only about $1,000. So you're almost saving 50%. And so it becomes more affordable. So that's why a lot of people are like, okay, I like the group coaching. You know, I'll be in there with other people. I can learn from the coach and my peers and it is much more affordable. And so I offer like, you know, if they pay everything up front, they get the additional 10% off. Now you're only paying $900. Well, we could do 250 a month over the course of four months, you know, so that way. But yeah, but do it's you, definitely. Do you have a disclaimer up front that you tell people that they get in order for them to find success, they have to be transparent? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, you got a contract and everything. I got a whole contract. We talking about what your responsibility is, what's mine, what the outcome like. It is very business, professional, all of that, because you have to want it. And sometimes. I would be like, oh my goodness, I don't have X amount of people, but you know what? I don't want my stuff filled up with a bunch of people that don't want to do the work. Mm -hmm. my, I, my coaching is going to give you the outcome to change your mindset. And so that way you can learn the debt payoff strategies and understand the, over, the overspending triggers and start moving on. I'm, I'm going to get uh, pleasure in seeing that you are transforming. I don't care about the money. I have other income. This isn't like, oh my gosh, I just got to get people in. My my joy is going to come in to see you transform and you're starting to tell me about these new um, financial things that you're doing and you're becoming successful and you mm -hmm. paid off that credit card or now you you taking that family trip that you wanted to take and you're not using the credit card because you got a sinking fund or you saw that commercial on TV about going to Old Navy because they had 50% off, but you had your sinking fund ready and you didn't just go <laughs> So, you know, those things, that, that is what's going to make me feel good and happy. Mm -hmm. And that is what's going to bring me value and, and know that, you know what, I'm helping people because that's what I want to do. I want to bridge that gap of that. Oh, yeah. of that. What, are, what are your thoughts on life insurance? I got some. And that here's the me thing. Too. So, <laughs> I, I, now, when I'm listening to what you're saying about me, I'm like, listen, there wouldn't be people with generational wealth without it. Like, exactly. You, life insurance and life insurance also living also offers living benefits. Like, if you become, you know, depending on what you got, if you become sick or certain things, mm -hmm. there is living benefit with a lot of those as well, and you can borrow from it. So, mm -hmm. I mean, to each his own, but I don't see it as some people like, oh, you shouldn't do it, you know, whatever. And I just feel like it's kind of whatever your goals are, whatever your purpose is. Yeah. And, you know, for the guy to say, I'm going to just take everything and I'm leaving nothing, that's not bad either. Maybe he probably feel like I ain't nobody worthy of me leaving nothing because <laughs> they look how they treat me. You know, everybody kind of got their own thing. Now, yeah. I'm not going to leave everything and not spend my money and do, you know, like I said, I bought the car and all of that. So mm -hmm. I'm going to do that because some people are so financially disciplined that they, I'm wearing my old shoes every day. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not doing that. Like, I, I, I just can't do it because 
me as a woman, especially as an African-American woman, I am not gonna be able to look at myself in the mirror and feel good about that if my hair is standing on top of my head and I can't even reward myself with a nice steak or something nice. Like what yeah. makes sense to me? But again, that's my thing. For someone else, it may make sense that they don't do anything but just invest all their money and be able to say they got a bunch of money. That may be fulfilling mm -hmm. for them. Yeah. I don't, I, that ain't fulfilling for me, but me neither. <laughs> no, uh -uh. no. Go ahead, Rob. No, Josh, how, how can one plan for retirement and ensure they have enough income? I think the first thing is the financial literacy, understanding, uh, and, and really creating a plan for your building a financial foundation where you're establishing your goals, creating a budget establishing your savings emergency savings and having a debt payoff plan like i think before you can do all of that you need to, before you can go ahead and invest you need to kind of have that in place what are your goals what what do you need to do and then you start investing what i will say is a lot of times especially as african-americans when we're working and you're not really making that much you're probably not starting off investing i did not start off and start investing immediately because the income wasn't there and I wasn't managing my money correctly. And that's why I say it starts with that. And then you could go ahead and start investing in 401k at work, but you need also external investing. I use Fidelity. Um, mm -hmm. and I, uh, you know, and I don't have to put a whole bunch of money, but I put money and make it grow. But I know that that money is to grow and not for me to say next month, I want to take it out. Even if you yeah. put $50 a month or 25 whatever it is. And I'm glad you brought that up. Another thing I forgot to mention is within with your finances, pay yourself first. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that. I've heard, I've heard people, that. people yeah. go wrong. What we do is pay our bills and say if we have something left. Pay yourself first does not mean for you to be negligent with your bills, but what it is saying is that <laughs> you are training your mind that I'm gonna give myself maybe twenty dollars every time I get paid. But this is me starting to build the savings because psychologically I am building that habit. Mm -hmm. And I am building that savings and I know I need to pay myself. And for some people that struggle with that, send it over to a separate account that you don't even see. So by the time you get to pay, yep. you don't even miss it. But you, mm -hmm. we need to pay ourselves first because you're building that habit. Because guess what? Over time, your income should be growing. You should be getting better jobs. You may um, increase your education. You make it more money. You know why the people make more money? Because they go and spend it. <laughs> um, real quick, tell us again, um, sinking fund. How do you define a sinking fund? Your sinking fund is your recurring expenses that are going to come up. They are not your monthly fixed expenses like your bills, like your rent or car note yeah. or things like that but they are expenses or things that you want to have a savings for. Like if you like to travel, you know, and you know every year you take this cruise, you want to have a sinking fund for that. You know, you got Chris Christmas, Christmas. People, I ain't gonna tell you how much money everybody spend and go broke. They spend so much money on Christmas, but yeah. if they have a sinking fund for it, you can have it geared up and you know how much you're gonna spend. Your car maintenance. You need to make sure that, you know, you have money for that. So basically these expenses are are gonna come up. It's not a matter of if, it's just when, and you have the money set aside to take care of it. So you're not pulling from somewhere else and you're not relying on your credit card. Hmm. So I need, to, I need to make an account so I can get that calm drip up. Yep. <laughs> listen, because then you could feel good. Like, listen, this is my treat. I'm going. I, I know I like to eat out and I like nice things. So I'm like, hey, I know if I want to go buy me whatever it is, a pocketbook or what. My birthday was just yesterday. Okay, 
I bought me some Chanel sneakers. Now, before, mm -hmm. I used to be real selfish and stingy with myself, but like, I should I'm like, why? You make good money. You can you can buy that. You I, it, for it. I planned for it. This is money set aside that I can spend. I'm not going to go buy the sneakers and now I can't pay the bills or something like that. Yeah. I want the sneakers and it's my birthday and I got a sinking fund for it so I can go and use it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a firm believer that I think that um, if people live within their means and live to their salary, that you could be you could be a person making fifty thousand dollars a year doing better financially than somebody making one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, you just you know. gave an example. You just said on that show a couple two incomes where they probably making like a good month, a good amount of money, and they only have twelve hundred dollars in their savings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Example. It's not about how much money you make; it's about what you do with it. Mm -hmm. oh. Yeah, which I I was looking um like in doing research for the interview I seen a lot came up like in your your Instagram about financial foundation. So what exactly is a financial foundation? What I was just talking about establishing your um your goals, creating a budget, making sure that you create that savings plan, your emergency savings, and then managing your debt payoff. So that is your foundation because those key pieces are what you're going to need to be able to kind of come up with your plan and be financially successful. You mm -hmm. can't build savings without a budget. You can't have a budget without managing debt payoff. You mm -hmm. can't manage debt payoff without talking about, you know, building your emergency savings. Sometimes people ask me, which one should I do first? Should I save or should I pay off debt? Do both. You do not want to only focus on paying off debt because if you don't have cash savings on here, when something happens, guess what you're doing? Using a credit card again. Credit card, yeah. You use the credit card again. What you do is you give each of it a goal, right? But you mm -hmm. at the same time in order so that it is effective. And again, it's a journey. So don't be looking at, oh, I need to have all of this. It's probably going to take a while. And the other thing is too, make sure when you are thinking about building your savings, make it realistic because things are going to come up obstacles are going to come up and that's life right but you want to make sure that the amount that you say you're going to be able to save that no matter what come up you can do it so start off small don't think big if you know right now i can do 20 dollars every time i get paid because no matter what else is going on i can still that 20 dollars can still go there and i'm not gonna miss it you start mm -hmm. off with 20 dollars, but you don't say i'm gonna do 500 dollars because you know, if some emerge something else come up, you need that money. That that that's yeah. not making sense. So start small, so that way you can start building that up, and then you know. And basically, the whole point is, no matter whatever else is going on, it's not interrupting the savings where you gotta go in there and pull it out for something that it's not geared for. Yeah, yeah. This is a great discussion, you know, a, a, a really good discussion. I just, as you're talking, I was thinking about like other scenarios that I've encountered and I've, things I've heard people say about like, um, like finances and stuff like that. And I was thinking about, you know, at, at, um, at my company, you know, we had somebody come out and they were selling like, again, like life insurance and different types of services and stuff like that. And there was a push by like our operations person to enroll more people in it. You know, mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, this is a great stuff for them. And we have the obligation to educate them around it and everything. And I was saying, I was like, you know, I think it's cool to educate people. But I also think that, you know, you have to think about like the wage um, gap between what you make in your position versus what they make in their position. Yeah. And frankly, like where people priorities are, you know, like these may be younger people, not all of them, but these may be younger people. If you're 25 years old, you know, purchasing Aflac is not nearly as important as going to get the Jordans 
or or whatever it is and you know and i say to people all the time like one of the things i've learned over a period of time is like you talk to people and you give them that information but again you don't impose your values or your views on them around it like i feel like everybody's journey to get to a point where they like all right i need to be more financially responsible you know is at their own pace you know i just don't like i don't want to see people get ruined before they actually come to the realization that they need to be a little bit more financially responsible sometimes the ruin is what what makes them change and get them on the right track where they don't get off yeah. so sometimes people need that because if i you just telling them and stuff that they, they might go on one end or the other they might have to hit that rock bottom and say i know what that feels like i don't want to go there again and that's yeah. okay yeah we just we live to me like in such a predatorial society though that even if you if you you don't have the cash you know you could go out and be like well i'm gonna get you know i could get a car off the lot the interest would probably be 30 <laughs> percent. you know i get a 1996 car with a 700 car note yeah. and, you know people's mindset is you think about like how they even present it to people you got a job you drive credit score don't matter so you yeah. know somebody is could be paying somebody could be driving a mercedes-benz paying $200 a month and somebody else driving a 1998 Honda Accord paying $2,000 a month. Yeah. How they manage their finances. Because they, and it's, it is predatory. They know. I mean, I think about around tax time. I'm, I'm here in Charlotte, North Carolina. The RIMS commercial come on the radio. You have to know that for minorities. Like they clockwork, right? Because <laughs> they know taxes and everything and come get your RIMS. And I said, this is horrible. Like, because... <laughs> People probably got some goals or things that they need to be doing, maybe paying debt or taking care of some things, but they're gonna get the rims or, you know, the hair commercial, the weed this and get your with, you know, all of those things that they know consumers of the minority community are going to get. And and I hate that's why I'm listening to I hate that rim commercial because and then they make sure they get now you know it's a Caucasian that probably own it. Guess who on the radio talking about it? One of us talking uh-huh. about talking in that same language because getting them hyped up they got the rap music in the back i mean all of the things to go ahead and lure you right in mm-hmm. no got layaway yeah, so yeah, yeah. you you could do layaway or payment plan probably with some high interest or whatever but that I, that rent commercial i hate payday loans um yeah. rent a center you only see those in the in the inner city like you don't mm-hmm. see them in the suburbs you don't yeah. see payday loans out there, but you see them here. And because people are not educated with the financial literacy, all they're looking at is the instant gratification. I get to get this money, but they're not realizing, wow, when I get paid, you owe somebody before you get paid. That's the worst thing you could do. Right. And, and, and most people did that. I remember, you know, you borrow them before, spending the money before it get here. It get is the big. worst thing you could do. Shoot, a payday loan. The other thing that always get me too is like the rapid refund at like H and R Block and Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. giving those people a couple of extra hundred dollars because you want the money now. And it's just, but again, guess who that is geared towards? The people who lack the financial literacy the most. And I'm not saying all white Caucasians are financial literate because that's not the case. But mm-hmm. no, this population is more vulnerable. So. Yeah go ahead and make this sound good and I know they gonna go ahead and do it. Yeah, we just, we got an affinity for rims and flat screens. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but guess what? That's not a bad thing mm-hmm. if you have your finances on track and you kind of know what you're doing and it's not mm-hmm. breaking the bank. Because if that's what you want to do and that's what your money is for, well, so be it. But don't have your money be geared for one goal that you're supposed to do or something you're supposed to take care of and now you're taking it to something else. That's when it becomes a problem. Because yeah. you're not 
your 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 goals are not your budget isn't aligning with your goals now because now you went and did something else and you can not making progress yeah you boiled out rob mm-hmm. you got any, any question i seen you do some youth uh some youth entrepreneur programs how did those pan out and what, what, what were the kids what were the response from you it was good. Um, a lot of times, because when you're talking to the youth, they are the ones they really don't know. They don't know, you know, the basics. And when I'm talking to them, I'm talking about your checking and, you know, those basic things. And my son actually came with me that day, and he's 16. He probably knew the most, but because I'm his mom, um, I, a lot of times with the youth, they feel a little bit ashamed or embarrassed that they don't know. And so, really, kind of getting them to open up and everything. But it definitely was a good response because they all worked. Uh, One of uh, you, she does hair. And so hmm. she's high school, so she's like owning her own business. And so if she was really like interested in learning and understanding some of that stuff because she's making some money and wanting to know how to manage that. So that way when she is getting paid, she's making sure to have some money to decide for her expenses and stuff, but not just taking the money and going to spend it. And now you don't have, you know, your money for your expenses or you don't have any savings going on. Right. 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 Yeah. right. Right. Well, um, Tasha, pl- we have on the screen though. We have your um your Instagram. But if people want to get in contact with you any other way, email, Facebook, or you know, if they're interested in actually, you know, um, retaining you and and participating and taking advantage of your services, how would they go about doing it? They can reach my email at Tasha at so the same as I'm at M A W P. Tasha at, oh God, I'm trying to think, I gotta look at the thing, Tasha at, Tasha at, you know what, I can't remember offhand, that Instagram link, if they go there, as soon as they click it, all of my, everything is up there. Like I have like a link tree, one stop shop. So as soon as you go on Instagram, go on my bio, you get my Facebook, you get the email, you get everything. So, cause I'm, I'm really having like a, a brain freeze right now with my whole thing. Just give me a second, let me see something. Mm-hmm. Cause I wanna make sure I get the email. Hold on. Oh, at mattosuccess.com. Yes, Tasha at matt2success.com. That's my email. Sorry, I like have like a brain freeze. That's all right. Well, thank you again for coming on and participating in this discussion. We may have to have you back for a follow-up discussion. Yeah, yeah. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of good information. And this is something I think that Rob and I, we've had like a number of conversations um, about during, the, um, you know, during the whole time, I think that we've actually operated the podcast, you know, the financial literacy, especially I think in our community is, 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 is pivotal. It's pivotal. And, and, and it's, it's sad that, you know, again, like that we have to have experiences to get to the point that we actually have the knowledge to be able to manage our finances um, better, you know, like, especially when I know that there are people in other environments that they are armed with that information, you know, as early as middle school, somebody's talking to them about how to invest in the stock market and stuff like that, you know, but we got to unfortunately blow a bag or mess up the money or find ourselves in a position to actually be like, damn, I got to get it right um, this time. So thank you. you. Anything you want to say in closing? No, I just wanted to say thank you guys for having me. Um, Anybody who wants to reach out and just ask me questions in general about services or about the group coaching, please feel free to reach out. And yeah, I mean, my goal is to help women and their families and women because they women and their kids and everybody just overcome those financial barriers and be financially successful. Men are included in there too, but I really say women are more of the primary focus because 
that's who I resonate with more because it's kind of, you know, it's more relatable. And also, and it doesn't mean single women, because like I said, even if women, you know, if they're married or have a significant other or whatever it is, they're usually heading up the household with those finances and they need to be financially literate. So that way they and their families can be financially successful. Facts. Steer the ship correctly, right? That's right. <laughs> Young, appreciate the super chat. Everybody, thank you for tuning in to the No Ideas Original Podcast. We'll catch you on the next episode. Tasha, thank you again for tuning in. Everybody have a good evening. All right. Peace.